You may remember that last Sunday there were two choices for the lectionary readings. One was the epiphany arrival of the three magi in Bethlehem. The other was the baptism of our Lord. We focus on the epiphany of the arrival of the Magi in Bethlehem. And this Sunday, however, picks up the story of the baptism of our Lord. In our scene, in John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34, it opens with John the Baptist seeing Jesus approach. As Jesus approaches, John the Baptist announces to all those around, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Those words should sound familiar to all of us. They are repeated each week during the celebration of the Mass. Once the bread and wine are consecrated and become the body and blood of Christ, the priest raises the Eucharist for you to see and speaks the words of John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The reason is because Holy Communion is a sharing in the sacrifice of Christ. For that reason, priests say the words of John the Baptist before administering it to encourage the faithful to be grateful to our Lord for giving himself up to death to save us and for giving himself to us as nourishment for our souls. But what does that mean when it says sharing in the sacrifice of Christ? Over in the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, The Apostle Paul tells us in the 10th chapter and 16th verse that the Eucharist is a sharing or participation or communion, all depending on which translation you are reading, with the body and blood of Christ. The body and blood of Christ, who is the sacrificial lamb that John the Baptist in our gospel tells us takes away the sin of the world. In the Eucharist, we get to share in an event, the crucifixion that occurred almost 2,000 years ago. The crucifixion of Christ is effective for all people of all time, not just those that were there that day. Because the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is with, with us today in the sacrament. The sacrament that he gave us through his apostles all the way back in April of the year AD 33 continues unchanged all the way until today. The sacrament that Jesus gave us in April of the year AD 33 does not today make a new sacrifice of Christ, as some will accuse. It allows us, in our own small and mysterious way, to be freed from earthly time and be made present at the sacrifice made once and for all on the hill of Calvary, Golgotha, the place of the skull. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But what does it mean to take away sin? We still see sin around us. We see sin around us every day. We not only see sin around us, all too often we personally engage in sin. Even, as much as so many would like to deny, members of the priesthood will engage in sin. That is why my guiding passage for ministry is Hebrews chapter 5, where it begins by saying that every priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as much as he does for those of the people. This is why we thank God for his sacraments. We confess our sins. We trust the promise of Jesus 
that when the apostles and their descendants, the priests and bishops that serve God's flock today, when they hear a person's confession that is given in repentance, that being commissioned by Jesus himself can pronounce the forgiveness of God and the absolution of those sins. We then return to the Eucharist to be fed again and strengthened in the effort to avoid repeating those sins. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As just said, though, we know that sin continues. But Jesus takes away the guilt of that sin. When John the Baptist says, takes away the sin of the world, what the, free, what the phrase means is literally to wipe away, to erase, to blot out. It is not that the event itself, which is eliminated, but the moral consequence of such an event, namely the guilt when you hear the words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, you should hear the message, Behold the Lamb of God who will take your guilt away. The people who heard John the Baptist immediately knew the bigger meaning of what he was saying. According to the biblical teaching, all the way back from the Old Testament, that those that were there that day would know, all the way until today, we know that only God takes away and forgives sin. The Jews for centuries have been sacrificing various animals with special emphasis on the lamb for the sake of being reconciled and renewing unity with God. Now John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and the people hear the larger message. Only God can take away sin. This is the Lamb of God that takes away sin. The Lamb that is the sacrifice is God. God is sacrificing himself so that we may be reconciled, that our unity with God can be renewed. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away your guilt so that you can be united with Him again. Then there is a different mystery in this text. John the Baptist claims that he does not know Jesus prior to the Holy Spirit descending upon him in the form of a dove. But Jesus and John were cousins, how could they not know each other? I will not spend a lot of time on this because we cannot know for sure exactly what John the Baptist meant in his comment. One theory is that John and Jesus, although cousins, did not grow up in the same village. Remember that Mary had to travel some distance to visit Elizabeth during her pregnancy. And therefore, although cousins, John did not automatically recognize Jesus. That theory could be true. I certainly know that when visiting distant family, after long times of separation, it takes me time to recognize people. What seems to be more, what seems to be the more important message in the setting, though, is that the people did not recognize the Messiah. In fact, throughout our gospel stories, people will continue to not recognize the Messiah. Unlike in Genesis, where it says God formed humanity in his own image, it turns out that the people had formed the Messiah in their own image. The Messiah will be a powerful king. The Messiah will be a military ruler. The Messiah will overthrow Roman rule. The Messiah will raise Israel to great glory and power. The Messiah will deliver us from our oppression. So John the Baptist says to the people, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away your guilt, who makes you united with him, who restores the ability to walk and talk with God just like Adam did in the garden, who delivers you from the greatest of all oppression, the horrible effect 
of sin and separation from God. John the Baptist says, Make no mistake, this is the Messiah. Do not fail to recognize him. It was a needed message back then. The religious people of the day said that Jesus could not be the Messiah because he ate with sinners. Jesus could not be the Messiah because he spoke with tax collectors. Jesus could not be the Messiah because he forgave the sins of prostitutes. Jesus could not be Messiah because he refused to condemn the woman caught in adultery. Jesus could not be the Messiah because he allowed the woman referred to as a notorious sinner to anoint his feet with oil. The Pharisees loved that one, rebuking Jesus by saying if he knew the type of woman she is, he would not let her near him. By saying that, they denied Jesus is God because obviously God would know the woman's reputation and if he were God, then he would be holy and holy people do not allow that kind of woman in their presence. Instead, the Pharisees believed a holy man would tell her to leave and never come back. So John the Baptist cried out in the wilderness, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Recognize your Messiah. Recognize your Savior. But the world kept refusing to recognize Jesus as Messiah all the way up until the day of crucifixion when the people chose Barnabas instead of Jesus because being a man who fought against Roman rule, Barnabas looked like the Messiah they had invented for themselves. They wanted their version of God that they had made up for themselves instead of wanting God as he truly is. The strange thing, strange because we ought to think we would know better by reading the Bible, is that people still today need to hear the words of John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God, recognize him, know him for who he is, who takes away the sin of the world. Instead, we, like the Pharisees and their followers, too frequently create a Messiah in our own image. Back in 2005, the Christian musician Todd Agnew sang a song called My Jesus. And that song is a line that goes, Pretty blue eyes and curly brown hair and a clear complexion is how you see him as he dies for your sins. But the word says he was battered and scarred, or did you miss that part? Sometimes I doubt we would recognize him. We like a clean Jesus in America. We like a Jesus that does not remind us of our own sin. There are a few reasons given why Protestants do not accept the use of a crucifix as a depiction of Jesus. The most common is the claim that Jesus is no longer on the cross. That reason would be more believable if they objected equally to other aspects of Jesus that he's no longer physically doing or being, like Jesus in a manger for nativity scenes, or Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount, or any of the other earthly scenes of the life of Jesus they allow and celebrate. My personal reason as to why the crucifix is rejected is because it is too powerful of a reminder of our sins and what they have done to Jesus. We do not want to look at the cost of the sins we commit. Even among those of us who accept the depiction of the crucifix, we do not have bloody crucifixes in the United States. Only a drop or two, maybe, very close to the nails so as to not be too noticeable. Would we recognize Jesus today? Or, as another line in the song goes, would we walk around to the other side to avoid him? As already said, Todd Agnew sang, Pretty blue eyes and curly brown hair and clear complexion is how you see him as he dies for your sins. But the word said he was battered and scarred, or did you miss that part? Sometimes I doubt we'd recognize him.
And then he tells why he doubts that we will recognize Jesus by continuing his song. Because Jesus bled and died, he spent his time with thieves and the least of these. He loved the poor and accosted the comfortable. So which one do you want to be? My Jesus would never be accepted in my church. The blood and the dirt on his feet might stain the carpet. But he reaches for the hurting and the despises the proud. And I know that he can hear me if I cry out loud, I want to be like my Jesus. Let us cry out to be like Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen.